There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. An Erio's original. Welcome to Web Crawler's mini episode. Uh, today, I'm super excited. We're going to get into astrology uh, and the history of astrology. And uh, we have a real astrologist who practices professionally, uh, really well-renowned. Her name is Mackenzie Greer. She is an astrologist and palmist. She studied at the School of Oracles and Astrological Institute of Kepler College, so we're going to get a little bit into our own research on astrology and then an interview with her. So let's get into it. Okay, so astrology in like the broadest sense, it's when humans uh, search for meaning in the sky, in the planets, in the stars. It has gone back so far as the third millennium BC, um, and it's obviously super popularized now. It used to be more of like a scientific, well, I don't want to say that. It's still a scientific thing, I guess. But now mm-hmm. people are using it in like apps and it got popularized when people started putting astrology in like the daily newspaper. Um, and there was like the astrology column. Oh, um, that's how and, it got popularized. Yeah. When people, oh. when there started to be the astrology col- column in the oh, newspaper. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. The first known astrological uh, artifact is called the Venus Tablet of Amisaduka. 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 Um, It was compiled in Babylon around 1700, and it's the oldest surviving record of Mesopotamian astrology. Obviously, there are 12 signs that correspond with the planets and constellations. Melissa, what sign are you? I'm an Aries. Oh, interesting. My birthday was a couple days ago, actually. Oh my God, yes, we forgot. Happy birthday, Happy birthday to you. Cha, cha, cha. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Cha, cha, cha. Happy birthday, birthday Mr. <laughs> President. Oh, gosh. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Wow, that was hauntingly beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Maria, what's oh, your sign? I'm a Taurus, baby. Oh, fascinating. Oh, when, when's your birthday? May 16th. Ooh, nice. So there are 12 signs that correspond with the planets and constellation. 
There are the Aries, which is from March 21st to April 19. The Taurus, which is April 20 to May 20. Uh, the Gemini, which is May 21 to June 20, famously the worst sign. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump is a Gemini. Oh. Gemini is when you have like two sides to your personality. Oh. It, like they're one of them's bad. Like you can. No, like, no, my dad is a Gemini. Do you like your dad? Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> my, my dad's a Gemini too. Oh, my dad's like great. Her? Yeah, my dad's great. Yeah. All right. Um, Cancer, June 21 to July 22. Leo, July 23 to August 22nd. Virgo, August 23rd to September 22nd. They're real A-type personalities. Uh, Libra is September 23rd to October 22nd. Do you know a Virgo? That's what Craig is. A Virgo? No, Craig's a Libra. Oh, interesting. But a Uh, lot of my good friends are Virgos. Oh, really? Oh. Interesting. Is Amanda a Virgo? No, she's a Taurus. Oh, as it's a lot of my good friends are are Tauruses and Virgos. It's really strange, actually. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, Scorpio, October twenty third to November twenty first. Sagittarius, November twenty second, December twenty one. Capricorn, December twenty second to January nineteen. Aquarius is January twenty to February eighteen. And Pisces, the best sign. Is February 19 to March 20. So the astronomer Ptolemy, author of Tetrabiblos. I think it's just Ptolemy. Do you say Ptolemy? No, no. I, I, that was a That was a glitch. And that was something weird that the Zoom did. <laughs> oh, weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, weird. That was a Zoom error. Well, that's like Melissa calling <laughs> Vlad the Impaler V-Lod. I was calling him V-Lad, and, so, and someone on Instagram was like, you know it's Vlad one syllable. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Are we I don't sure know. it's not Ptolemy? <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm not, but I'm just, let me. Um, Let's see. Do your, do your, this is how it's pronounced machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. This is how um, it's pronounced machine. <laughs> just fire up the machine. It's like this big thing she has. <laughs> yeah. Gotta warm it up first. Ptolemy. Ptolemy. Interesting. Okay. Wrote Tetrabiblos, which became a core book in the history of Western astrology. And if you know anything about, like, if you have that that app, like CoStar, or you know anything about astrology, it's not just like you're a Pisces or you're a Virgo or you're a Taurus. There's all this different stuff that, like, your birth chart can teach you. Oh, right. Like, based on the day and time you were born. Yeah. And it's really confusing. Right. So, like, there's, like, your sun sign and your moon sign and, like, your rising and all this kind of weird Mm -hmm. stuff. So I found a little uh, thing that describes what each does. Your sun sign is why you act and express the way you do. Oh, your moon sign is why you react and you feel the way you do. Your ascendant or your rising is why do I see and meet the world the way I do? Hmm. Your mercury is why do I think and communicate the way I do? Your Venus is why do I express affection the way I do? Oh, interesting. Because uh, Venus is the same as Aphrodite and Aphrodite is the goddess of love. Mm. Mars. Why do I express anger and passion the way I do? Because Mars is the god the god of um of war. Jupiter. Where do I feel most confident and where do I push my luck? At the casinos. Damn, oh. bling bling. Saturn. <laughs> that was a slot machine. But you know I you know I've won two years in a row in Vegas. I've won on the same Wheel of Fortune slot machine. What? Really? How That's much really crazy. How much dough? I won like $1,200 the first time and like 1000 the next time. Whoa, that's like a stimulus check. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Saturn, where do I feel most anxious and where do I need to uh, realize authority? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what is funny? Just, just say it. Just say it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What is it? Uranus. 
God. Where do I rebel and innovate? You know, I I, I dated this guy for like a, a while ago, and he made a Uranus joke or something, and it was like that was the moment where I was like, oh, I have to break up with you. <laughs> that was it for me. I was like, I got, oh I can't, God. I gotta this get out I'm of this. I'm single because I have the personality <laughs> of a thirteen-year-old. Look, it's a funny word. It's never that funny. Also, I think it's pronounced Uranus, but like that's not a fun way to pronounce it. Uranus. Neptune, where do I lose touch with reality and how do I escape it? Pluto, where do I feel most powerless and how do I let go of ego? Midhaven, um, what do I want to achieve? Descendant, what do I project on other people? Hmm. Then there's something called Imqueli, which I've never heard of. How has my upbringing affected my psychological roots? Oh, that's deep. That's a cool one to know. So essentially, if you give either an astrologist or there's apps for it, your birthday. Um, oh, it'll and, tell you everything. Yeah. And your time, mm. your time of birth. And I think sometimes they also need to know the location you were, you were born. Oh, it will give you all of these things. So this is exactly where all the planets were when you popped out of your mom's vajage. And it basically determines your whole personality. Oh, yeah. Like how the planets were aligned and what was going on that day in the world. Okay. That's cool. Right. All right. Now let's get into our interview. Hey, everyone. My name is Mackenzie Greer. I'm a practicing professional astrologer and palmist based out of Astoria, New York, out here in Queens representing I studied palmistry at the School of Oracles under Ellen Goldberg in the West Village for many years, and I've been studying astrology at Kepler College, which is an awesome online institution that I suggest anyone who really wants to get their fundamentals down, go check it out. Um, But really, I've been self-studying for many years and have been in practice now doing reading charts for the last three years, so I'm still pretty new to reading charts, but I am not new to astrology. I've been always one of those kind of people since I was a kid or a teenager, really kind of stuck in the New Age book section at Barnes and Nobles, <laughs> uh, kind of just, you know, reading Linda Goodman or curious about compatibility. So that's kind of what always has drawn me to astrology and my kind of deeper understanding and exploration of it. What is the difference between astrology and astronomy? Well, I'm not even going to pretend to know that I have like some deep understanding of astronomy, but what I do know is astrology, and astrology is based off of astronomy's observations, right? Astronomy, in the most basic sense that I could strip it down to, um, is the kind of scientific and mathematic you know, study of our stars and our solar system, just to keep it simple before I dig myself into a hole. Um, but astrology really is kind of the study of the sun's apparent path around the ecliptic. And we all know that the sun, you know, is not moving around. We're moving around the sun. That's the reality. But astrology is a geocentric based study. So everything we're seeing is kind of earth based looking out. And so since the sun appears to move, you know, Throughout all 24 hours of the day, we've kind of tracked the seasons, we've tracked its movements through certain signs. Um, you know, a lot of different astrologers, depending on if they're Eastern or Western, um, there's a tropical zodiac, a sidereal zodiac. I don't have enough time to go into all of that today, but essentially sidereal zodiac is the one that's actually looking at where the stars are right now um, and the movement of them. And that's why in, you know, in the sidereal zodiac, people will be like, oh, you're a Libra. And you're like, wait, I thought I was a Scorpio. Well, in the tropical zodiac, you would still be a Scorpio um, because we don't look at fixed stars against that background. Um, we really just use that apparent motion of the sun. That's why like Ophiuchus and the 13th sign and all of that shit doesn't really apply when you're using the tropical zodiac, but people refuse to take that into account. Anyway, I am not the best like mathematical database science astrologer, but there are a lot of good um, you know, articles out there that can better explain this. I'm a little better at the nitty gritty, so let's get into that. What exactly is astrology? Astrology is that kind of geocentric observation of where the planets were at the moment you were born and, you know, where the sun was, what what phase was the moon in, what sign was the moon in, where was Mars, was Mars forming a conjunction to Jupiter, you know, these are all the kind of things we look at as astrologers. We want to know 
plain and simple, where all these planets were, were they above the horizon, below the horizon, all the different interactions and kind of place them into the viewpoint of your life. Now, there's so many branches of astrology that it gets really kind of hard to cover this quickly. Um, but essentially, you know, there's like mundane astrology, which talks about kind of on a global scale, astrologically things that are happening or natal chart astrology, right? Which we'll talk about, you know, your kind of personal trends in life, your inhibitions, your advantages that are kind of natural to you, um, you know, your relationship tendencies, all your hangups. There's psychological astrology that will really start to kind of ferret out a lot of these details in natal astrology as kind of my preference personally. Um, there's, you know, financial astrology, which talks about the stock markets and money making and all these things. Um, there's so many different branches, evolutionary, which is a lot more like karmic based traditional Hellenistic astrology, which is much more medieval and kind of, you know, looking back in time to look at ancient practices, um, that the ancients used and apply them today. So it's kind of hard to pin yourself down. Like, um, depending on what kind of astrology you're into, but there's a lot of different branches and that's really the best thing to know. There's modern, all this stuff, modern, ancient, psychological, evolutionary. It really varies, but really everyone uses the same common denominators in the sense that we're all using planets. We're all using houses in some form or another, which I'll be talking about if you're kind of like, what the hell is a house? Um, and yeah, we all look at the sun moon phases and their relationships and really other planets relationships to each other. Okay, that was my rapid fire attempt at explaining what is astrology. That's a difficult topic to try to keep simple. But really, all in all, astrology is the study of the planets, the sun and moon, um, you know, their movements, their speeds, their placements, and really how they wind up psychologically having an effect on you, or the world um, in a global scale. And you know, learning a lot about character. A lot of people know about sun sign astrology because, you know, it's that kind of psychological, um, categorizing, you know, astrology that we're all pretty familiar with. We're kind of like, I know I'm a cancer or I know you're a Virgo or things of that nature. Like we're familiar with that, but astrology is much more broad in a lot of senses. And I feel like the population is kind of learning that these days. Suddenly people are waking up to that idea. So when you're reading someone's chart, what does that entail and what info do you need for that? All right. If you're going to read someone's chart um, or you're curious about understanding how it works, really all you're going to need is a birth time, a birth place, and a birthday. That's it. You know, like uh, really the most critical element of an accurate birth chart interpretation um, will be the birth time. That's really Often that is like such a hang up and it can be so messy and such a little disaster <laughs> in its own way sometimes because people don't know their time or, you know, you know, you gotta like do a lot of digging to try to find it. Or your mom's like, I think you were born, at, you were definitely born at noon. And your dad's like, nah, you were definitely born at midnight. And you're like, wait, wh well, what is it? Really, unfortunately, though, this practice rides a lot on the exactitude of birth times. If you do not have a birth time on your birth certificate um, or, you know, don't fret, it's not like the end of the world. Luckily, you can still kind of cast a chart for the day. Interestingly enough, you can kind of move it throughout the day. You can move the chart by kind of advancing it hour by hour throughout that entire day you were born. And usually the moon will be in the same sign. Sometimes it is not, though. Uh, the moon moves very fast, so that could be different. All in all, though, really, you can kind of get a glimpse of where some of your current planets were, right? Like, so most of the time, Mercury, Mars, Venus, and especially kind of the outer planets, Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, they're going to be in the same spot. They're not moving that fast. Even the sun's not going to be moving that fast. So you can have a general idea, usually, um, just by pulling up a chart for your actual birthday. And you can do that on astrodeinst.com. Um, I think it's also just astro.com. I'll double check that. Yes. Yep. So it's astro.com. You can easily produce a chart and kind of check it out. Um, that way you can have a, at least a close approximation of what your moon sign may be. And, you know, and if it's like one of those moons where it's like at the end of Sagittarius or the beginning of Scorpio and you're kind of like, oh, it could have moved signs, then you got to start doing a lot of digging and a lot of questioning because your moon sign really talks about your kind of more emotional side of your nature. You got to do like a lot of introspective questioning to kind of maybe discover perhaps which sign it was. Although, you know, there is a technique called rectification and some astrologers do it. It's a very tedious, 
um, you know, it's kind of strenuous process for an astrologer, um, where they can help actually by walking backwards through hearing your life, they can actually get pretty close to an estimated birth time, which is insane. Um, so if you are one of those people that is looking, you know, is like pained by the fact that they don't have a birth time, find an astrologer that will do rectification. P.S. I do not do that. <laughs> So in terms of part two of this question, when I'm reading someone's chart, what does that entail? Okay, so essentially what I'm doing when I'm reading someone's chart is I'm looking at where all those planets were at that moment that the person was born. So they're breathing in this energy, right? They're kind of absorbing it um, at this first moment that they're taking their first breath and they're embodying all of that planetary energy. And essentially on my you know, side of things on my side of the table, I'm basically kind of diving into their life story. To me, like the beauty of astrology is getting into someone's narrative and figuring out, you know, what's keeping this person from growth? What's, you know, what's blocking their success? I'm kind of a, I'm interested in people's wounds. I don't know why I'm a cancer sun Pisces moon. So I'm always like playing in people's like watery emotions. Um, playing is the wrong word. What I like to do is just, I'm intrigued by getting in there with people and helping people kind of strengthen parts of themselves that have been damaged or unacknowledged or, um, you know, trying to point out what their, you know, natural resources are, what they're really good at. I love to empower people when I'm reading someone's chart and can do that by kind of just discovering the narrative of the chart overall. So yeah, so that's kind of what it entails. It's, it's a lot more than that. It's obviously like a lot of technicalities and, um, you know, understanding the process, a lot of information. I do a lot of prep work before beforehand where I kind of like write for an hour or two about everything I'm feeling about the chart. It's not an intuitive grasp, by the way. Astrology is very, actually very like mathematical. Um, and that's why the precision of the birth time comes in uh, so importantly. That's why it features so importantly is that the better the precision, you know, the better the accuracy, like I've been saying the whole time. So that's what it entails. I'm really just trying to get to somebody's core story and explore that with them and make it obvious to them and let them know that all these kind of disparate parts of themselves are actually, you know, that they're actually complete and that they, you know, can operate with all, all of these kind of different elements of themselves and, you know, go forth with confidence in a lot of ways. 
Well, I was kind of just talking about this and you're dead on, right? Like, like I was saying, that sky really does reflect exactly at that moment where all those planets were and what they were doing and how they were interacting with one another. And that knowledge is useful because it's insane. It just, it illuminates so many different facets of your personality, right? And as I'm going to be talking about pretty soon, planets, we all have, you know, we all have these planets in our chart. We all have the same planets, Um, those are the kind of core principles of astrology, but depending on what sign they're in and what aspects they're making to other planets, you know, what conversations they're having with other planets, um, and other signs, that's what wind up, you know, winds up being the kind of defining quality of someone's personality or their kind of life story. So that knowledge is useful because all these planets wind up representing different archetypes of ourselves and different elements of ourselves. And it's really helpful to know that, you know, maybe if your Mars is in kind of a tough spot in your chart, that maybe you need to actively acknowledge and hear from an astrologer um, to kind of have it reified within yourself that you need more self-assertion. You need, um, you know, you have lessons around confidence. Maybe you have lessons around self-expression and sexuality and kind of like the primal animus uh, kind of factor of life. You know, these are kind of Mars where it's amusing here. But that's really you know, that's kind of vivifying for someone that's like very important and illuminating to hear some of these kind of core topics that take years in therapy to kind of even dive into. In an astrology reading, you can get there in under an hour, which is insane. And sometimes too much. That's another part of this. It's like, sometimes the information can be really overwhelming. That's why I always do recordings. I know a lot of people do, because it's good to kind of go back over and chew on some things. And you know, if you're doing a live reading with someone, it's kind of like, you can only get to so many things within that hour, right? So that's kind of best for the psyche in general. It's like you don't want to take on too much intensity or, uh, you know, looking at wounds, like I was saying, it can be kind of uh, too intense for people. But that's why I think it's really important. I think it's really illuminating information for someone to, uh, you know, kind of connect themselves to and feel empowered by, uh, rather than feel like, Oh God, like I'm always getting stepped on, like, you know, to bring it back to like someone having a difficult Mars in their chart, like, Oh, I'm always getting stepped on, or I'm never really getting to feel confident in myself or, you know, I'm always getting into fights. These are, these are kind of themes of someone with a challenged Mars. So to hear that you have these lessons to hear that maybe you need to do some active work on cultivating this part of your life. How could that not be useful? Right? Like, there, and there's so much more than that in general. So to me, that's really critical. Okay, so part two of this question is, how does it give insight into your personality or life? Well, kind of what I was just saying relays into this, I think. Um, but really, it gives insight into the life by, again, illuminating all these varying factors within yourself, letting you know that you're not crazy, right? Um, maybe you're cancer rising with a moon in Capricorn, and you are constantly kind of going back and forth between these kind of security issues or feeling like you want to be involved, but you're afraid of commitment and and kind of like ping-ponging between these concepts. To hear that this is something ingrained in your psychological complex, like that you came into this world to work on, it gives you power rather than to feel kind of defeated. So again, I think that kind of carries forth that message. What do the different houses mean? The different houses are a very complicated thing, even for astrologers. So I'm concerned for talking about it with like any kind of beginners or who are just like, what is going on here? There are like, I don't even know how many different house systems there are out there. But the beauty of astrology is somehow, some way, everyone can use their own house system that works for them and read a chart with accuracy if that's a good astrologer. That's the, that's the honest truth of it. You have to see it to believe it. Now, depending on the astrologer, like I said, they're going to use their own preference. House systems are generally just a preference by the astrologer. What's comfortable for them? What did they learn under? What do they like? So if you're just digging into astrology, you may discover like, oh, this is a Placidus house system, or this is a whole sign house system, or this is, um, you know, Coke house system. There's a lot of different house systems. So to kind of get to the core question of this question, the houses themselves, fortunately for all of our sanity, all kind of carry the same symbolism. So depending on your house system, doesn't matter. The first house is still going to be the first house regardless of your system. Eighth house, still going to be the eighth house regardless of your system. So without further ado, let's talk about what the houses represent in an extremely fast, unorthodox, chaotic fashion, um, just to get you kind of acquainted with what they're all about. 
Okay, so the first house has to do with, right, the rising sign with the ascendant. They're the same thing, by the way. And the first house has to do with yourself, your personality, your kind of outward persona, your physical appearance, how you're coming off to other people. The first house is the house of the self. The second house is the house of values, money, possessions, self-worth, attitudes towards, you know, attachments and uh, finances, things of this nature. The second house is very financial in its nature, um, as well as kind of talking about our natural assets and abilities. The third house has to do with communication. It's about how our mind works, right? It's about our basic education, our siblings, and a lot of, um, you know, kind of exchanges that we wind up having, uh, be that email, cell phones, calls, texts, letters. The third house talks about all kind of, you know, these kind of active mental verbal exchanges going on within the environment. So those first three houses talk about the individual in a core sense, right? It's the first house, me, the second house, what I have and what I value. You know, it doesn't have to just be money. It's also our general core values in life. That's what we can find in the second house and talents. And the third house is like, okay, and what do I think, right? I am, I have, I think. Those are the core being, you know, core fundamentals of being a human. After that, we move on to the fourth house, which talks about, you know, the things outside of ourselves a little bit more, right? The fourth house is about our family, about our tribe, about where we came from, our foundations. Um, you know, sometimes for other different astrologers, it can be the father or the mother in the chart. Um, I tend to, uh, I'm not really like firm in my opinion on that quite yet. They seem to kind of flip-flop at times. But no matter what, the fourth house talks about the past and the ancestry and things that were kind of coming from the family or things that were experienced in the early family environment, um, one's roots, one's security, um, and really talks about the parents most of all. After that, we have the fifth house, which brings us even further into the wheel. And the fifth house is a great house. It's a house of joy, really. It's about our creative self-expression, you know, romance, entertainment, gambling, the arts, children, pleasure, sex, erotic love. The fifth house is where you're going to find people that you just have a blast with, right? These are people you just love, you have a good time. You're not digging into other people's, you know, each other's psychologies on life. You're not digging into the taboo elements of each other where maybe you'll do that in the seventh or eighth. In the fifth house, you're just having a good time. Fifth house is where you go to party. Um, so any sign that's on the cusp of the fifth house is going to talk about like what you do to have a good time, right? So for me, mine, you know, for as, as an example, uh, I have Sagittarius on my fifth house cusp. So I like Sagittarian activities to have a good time or when I need to think about like what I can do to, you know, kind of brighten my mood, especially in quarantine, the fifth house will talk about it. And, you know, for me, Sagittarius is like, it has kind of a, a horse concept to it. I'm a horse girl, um, you know, deep in my heart. And I used to like love riding as a kid. So to me, I'm like, oh, Sagittarian fifth house. Like I need to wander. I need to roam. I need to ride and be fast and, you know, fire energy, have a good time, drink, party. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? That's me. Maybe your fifth house is different. Maybe you have a Pisces fifth house. Maybe your idea of fun is, you know, connecting to spirituality, singing, poetry, dancing, uh, you know, Piscean themes. So look to the cusp of the fifth house to see how you can kind of have a good time. Um, but really the fifth house is where we have fun. The sixth house, on the other hand, is where we clean up the act. It's where we have, you know, service to other people. It talks about our health problems. It talks about our mind-body connection. It talks about our routines and the activities we pursue um, really for the sake of serving the greater good. So in the sixth house, we're, you know, getting to know, you know, who we are and recognize our health problems in a lot of sense. This is where, you know, signs on this house, signs or planets on the sixth house are going to talk about where we kind of have some illnesses or kind of talks about our kind of work environment, things of this nature. The seventh house, however, talks about our partnerships, our relationships, any kind of one-on-one -on -one interaction because the seventh house is opposite the first house. Remember the first house was the house of the self. The seventh house is the house of the other. So interestingly enough, our kind of marriages and our partnerships show up here. And, you know, the, the sign, I love this, the sign on the cusp of the seventh house talks about who you're attracted to, who you're kind of bringing into your life to show you some objectivity. You know, this is the sign opposite your rising sign. There's, there's like this natural polarity and interest and kind of magnetism. And the seventh house sign will kind of talk about what you need to move into. Um, 
And also what kind of mate is best for you between the seventh and eighth house cusps? I would always look to the signs on the seventh and eighth or any planets in there to see what it is you kind of instinctually need from a partner to make something maintain, right? Like, so the fifth house, you can have fun, great hookup. Maybe there's great sex, but does that person, you know, is that person still there after you have a total crying breakdown in the shower and you're covered in snot and your face is red? Well, maybe if they have seven, if planets fall in your seventh and eighth house, yeah, maybe they do. So that's the kind of concept of the seventh. It really talks about the flavor of the partner that you are interested in and are drawn to. Another cool concept of the seventh house is, is the house of open enemies. <laughs> Love and hate, it's a fine line. The eighth house talks about you know, our partner's resources and, you know, shared finances, uh, other people's monies, you know, our debts show up here, our kind of credit card debts, uh, debts to the IRS, debts of any kind of like nature wind up showing up here because it's opposite that second house of our personal finances. So the eighth house also has to do with intimacy, phobias, what we need instinctually from a mate to be safe and attractive and, you know, feel good about them. Um, to make something last, to make some like a, make a commitment work. The eighth house really shows us where the rubber meets the road, right? Like, can you actually show up and cooperate together to make a working union or is it lopsided? Um, all that stuff comes out in the eighth house. The ninth house kind of moves away from this other oriented world just a bit. And the ninth house talks about our beliefs, our kind of, you know, our kind of core beliefs in life, um, religion, philosophy, talks about travel, long journeys, all these things we're not doing in quarantine. Uh, it also talks about our kind of higher education and the way we like to learn. So whatever sign is on the ninth is going to talk about, you know, kind of your best learning style um, and what works for you. The 10th house is the, you know, kind of usually contains the midheaven. The midheaven can float depending on what house system you're using. Um, but really here is where we have the zenith of the day. This is where the sun is at high noon and it's hard to miss. Um, the 10th house talks about our profession, our reputation, our kind of fame, our public standing, um, our performance, our destiny in the world, um, and our ambitions. So really in the 10th house, we are carving out our own path. We're doing our own thing. We're getting known for what it is we want to do. We're in the 6th house. It's like, you know, we're working for other people. It's kind of the 6th house is the house of like unglamorous work where the 10th house is like, this is what I want to be known for, right? So that's where we look to, to see kind of our destiny or what we're going to be known for, or kind of our trajectory in the kind of broadest, most ambitious sense. So depending on the sign on the cusp of the 10th house, that's going to give a flavor or an identity to the kind of activities or themes that you wind up getting a reputation for. Cool stuff, huh? So the 11th house, moving on from there. That talks about our friends, our connection to community, our connection to humanity at large. It's kind of like all of our followers on the internet are in the, the 11th house, right? It's like all these people within our network. Um, it also talks about our long-held goals and ambitions that we have. It really is this kind of nice, it's another beautiful house where good things happen. The 5th and the 11th house, man, right? Because what's what's life without friends and, you know, the opposite this of sex and partying and just good times? So the 11th house, though, is much more community-based. It's much more friendship and network concerned. So in the 11th, um, you know, depending on the cusp on the sign of your um, 11th house, that's how you can get an idea of who your actual friends are, right? Who are you into? Who do you connect with? So that's the 11th house world. After that, we have the 12th house, which kind of talks about where we strip ourselves of the ego and where we kind of become aware of our most self-defeating patterns. If you have planets in this house, then, you know, you start to get aware of what it is that your kind of actual superpower is, but feels like a hangup, right? Uh, so like I have Mercury in the 12th. So to me, it's like sometimes talking is terrifying because I'm like, oh God, no, don't make me talk. You know, you know planets, when you have planets in the 12th house, they don't want to be seen. They want to hide away from behind the scenes. This is the 12th house energy, right? The 12th house traditionally has to do with secret enemies, prisons, monasteries, confinement, sorrow, self-undoing, all these terrible things. Um, but so don't panic if you have 12th house planets. I have like three and I'm pretty much fine. Uh, <laughs> You know, but like these really, this is where we get acquainted with the things that kind of hang us up. What do the planets mean? Well, the planets have a lot going on, right? Like I said earlier, these planets talk about kind of core archetypal energies that we all share. So to keep it kind of fast and quick moving once again, I'll run through each of the planets that we use. 
Okay. So one, you obviously know your sun sign, right? So the sun is kind of our core principle. It's our essence. It's our spirit, right? It is kind of what we're here to do. Um, it is the way about we, which like we go about doing it. It is our ego in kind of the truest form. And it is a kind of never ending light we can always return to and gain insight from if we get lost, right? If you're a cancer, you know that part of your life's mission, you know, sun sign stuff is to get an emotional foundation beneath your feet is to develop emotional security is to make amends with your family situation and build your own um, and to make a nest that supports you so you can do your thing. Uh, It's just like a quick example, but that's what your sun sign's here to do. It'll forever be this kind of hallmark reminder of what it is you've got going on within yourself and what your journey is. Your moon sign, on the other hand, talks about your kind of more emotional side, right? Your instinctual nature, who you are behind closed doors, where everybody knows your sun sign at a party. Um, once they kind of get chatting with you, people who know your moon sign are the ones that saw you when you're having your crying breakdown in the shower and you were discussing. Yeah, those are the people that know your moon sign. So your moon sign is a lot more private. It's like maybe your close friends and your family and your partner has seen your moon sign. And I'm assuming they would by this point. Because that's where your instincts come out. That's where your like most you know profound emotional longings and needs come through. Our moon talks about what we need. So let's say you have a Pisces moon, right? So maybe you're going to need someone who can be funny with you. You're going to need joy and music and dancing and poetry, all these kinds of things to fulfill your soul and to feel good. You're going to need regular baths. You know, it's a little different than your sun sign in the sense that the moon talks about this kind of very intense, like, how do I nurture myself? How do I make myself feel good where the sun is so ego-based, right? So if the sun is spirit, the moon is kind of soul. So going on from there, we have Mercury and Mercury is how we interpret information. It's how we communicate. Um, You're using your Mercury to listen to me. I'm using mine to talk at you. And yeah, so Mercury is all about the assimilation of information and listening and verbalizing and writing. Mercury activates that thought. So depending on you know, what sign or what aspects Mercury is making in your chart, you get a glimpse of the way that you process things, right? Like I'm Mercury in Cancer. So Cancerian being about, you know, the past and concerned with like where one's, where one's come from. Mercury and Cancer people tend to live in the past and glorify the past or, you know, I constantly am like swatting at mirages of my past. I'm like, go away, please let me be in the present. But that's the thing. You know your Mercury, you know that that's how you're going to be. I mean, you can hopefully work to correct it. Um, another example of Mercury and Cancer, since I'm talking about it, right? Like the crab doesn't have any vocal cords. So Mercury talking in this kind of crab costume is going to sound like this, right? It sounds like me. I'm kind of quiet and I'm losing my voice already for having talked (laughs) for like half an hour, which is pathetic. Whereas a Mercury and Sagittarius person would be like, you know, the kind of person that you hear three blocks away before you even see them. And you're like, oh my God, where did you, why are you so boisterous? Um, so your Mercury is going to describe the way you sound, the way you talk, what you talk about, what you think about, all these things. Moving on from there, we have Venus, who talks about how we bond, how we form relationships, you know, how we connect to other people, what we kind of romanticize, um, what we need to feel good and loved and cherished in a relationship. Um, your sign and aspects to Venus will really start to kind of color that for you. Uh, Mars is how you go about, you know, accomplishing your sun's mission. Mars works for the sun. So wherever your Mars sign is, it's how it's going to go about making your sun happy. Really, Mars is a henchman for the sun. So your Mars is, right, this kind of primal animus. It's this masculine force, um, not in really like a true gender way, really like kind of in a yang way. Um, and it's about going after things. It's kind of the externalization of um, activity. It is our kind of primal sexual energy uh, where I love Jessica Lanyato always says this, like Mars is how we fornicate and Venus is how we flirt. So these are our lover planets, right? They know how to attract and draw things in, but they're really the personal planets. You know, then we start to move outside of the more kind of personal realm and we get into these more generational planets like Jupiter and Saturn and Uranus and Neptune and Pluto. These are all planets that astrologers use, um, although they're a little less personal than these other ones we were just talking about. So Jupiter in our, in our chart and in our lives shows us where we have aspiration, where we have faith, where we have luck, where we have growth waiting for us. Um, you know, kind of Jupiter always has our floaties on. Like if we get a little deflated and sad, we can usually turn to our Jupiter uh, to find activities or modes of operation that can uplift us and kind of reinvigorate us um, and help 
kind of just get us going again. Jupiter really is our kind of most, most buoyant faith in life. Whereas Saturn represents kind of the restrictive force. Um, but Saturn really talks about our kind of lessons in life, where we have some innate fears and inhibitions, where we kind of have our boundaries up, um, where the boundaries need closer inspection. Uh, maybe the boundaries are too weak. Maybe the boundaries are too strong. Usually whatever house Saturn is in is where there's kind of a deep-seated fear that needs a little bit more, you know, understanding. Um, and then we have Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, who are even further out and more generational. But, you know, they get personal depending on what house they fall in. So Uranus, where we have Uranus, we have a very strong need to break out of a rut and to do it our own way. Uranus is a very selfish planet in a healthy sense. It's got to do its own thing. Um, it really wants to break up that area of life um, to bring in kind of a new awareness and to radicalize you to yourself. Neptune is where we have a little bit of an idealization or we have some romantic kind of um, rose-colored glasses on about our life, right? If you have Neptune in the seventh, you're going to be prone to illusions, Neptune, kind of smoke and mirrors of Neptune in your close relationships. It's helpful to know that, isn't it? Rather than go around being like, I think I'm right about all these relationships, so why are they going so bad? Uh, good to know you have Neptune in the seventh and that maybe, maybe you're not always seeing things so straight. And what's the reason for that, right? That's what astrology wants to discover. What's the reason? Why is it happening? And how can we help you be clear about it? Pluto follows after Neptune and Pluto shows us the area of our chart or our life where we need to completely break things down to be rebuilt again. It has this kind of Phoenix-like energy to it where it wants to completely destroy an area of life to rebuild it. Um, and it doesn't have to be literal destruction, um, but often Pluto demands some kind of transformation, demands some kind of death um, within yourself or you know within outmoded elements of yourself. Death is like a scary word, but really we have to die several times in our life to keep going. What does your sun, moon, and ascendant or rising mean? Um, by the way, like I said earlier, ascendant and rising are the same thing um, for anyone who didn't know. But essentially, I just talked about the sun, right? Your kind of core mission, your moon, what your needs are, how you get them met, um, how to take care of yourself, how you nurture yourself and how you nurture others, um, your soul, right? Your rising sign, though, I haven't talked about. Your rising sign is how you kind of focalize your sun and your moon and you utilize them to the best of your ability. Um, so if you have a sun-moon relationship that don't really get along, right? Say maybe you have the sun in Cancer and the moon in Aquarius. Like, that's kind of difficult. Um, sometimes you're really emotional and other times you haven't cried in four months because you're like, oh, I don't know how to relate. I don't feel anything. Like, I'm rationalizing all my emotions. That's not natural for Cancer energy, right? Like, Cancer wants to cry about it in the tub. Um, but Aquarius moon's like, well, if we just like can rationalize this a little bit more, we can make sense of it. So how does your rising sign fall into this, this interplanetary drama? Well, your rising sign says, all right, both of you need to pull it together and we've got to put on a show here. So depending on whatever your rising sign is, right, it's going to be this kind of mask that you wear. And it's kind of, you know, this mask isn't just an arbitrary one. It's one you really need to move through the world and feel a sense of confidence and self-expression. So let's say you have a Sagittarius rising sign, right? Maybe you come across really buoyant and, and funny and you're the one making everybody laugh in the room. And uh, But deep down you have that Cancer sun, right? You're kind of like, oh man, you know, maybe I'm laughing at this joke someone made about me, but I'm really, my feelings are hurt. Um, but the Aquarius moon kicks in again and is like, nah, don't take it so seriously. Everybody, he didn't mean it like that. Your rising sign pulls in these energies together to kind of try to form a most coherent self-expression that it possibly can. That's kind of the best way I could put it. And it's also like if you saw someone across the room at a party and maybe they were decked out in glitter and gold and like looked very glamorous from afar, you make maybe make some assumptions about them. Any assumptions you'd be making were based on that first house, any planets in that first house and that rising sign in general. So know that maybe you're looking at someone who has a Leo rising who's covered in gold right across the room, um, but you get up to them and maybe you start talking and you realize just how, you know, sympathetic and, you know, kind and interesting maybe this person was and you move into their sun sign and maybe, maybe you guys stay friends for a long time. Maybe you get to know their moon sign, things of this nature. This is really how that kind of primal triad, the sun, moon and rising all work together. Um, sometimes you're more your moon, sometimes you're more your sun. Sometimes you're more your rising sign. They all have a say and they all want to kind of interact. Um, but yeah, it can be hard to, you know, have all the voices be heard. 
All right, guys, I hope that that, you know, very brief and rapid fire explanation of some of these astrology questions you had can help illuminate you to understanding astrology a little better. And if you so feel inclined, you can come check me out. I am Mac in the Zodiac on Instagram or my website. Uh, that's M-A-C-K and the Zodiac. Um, come and hang out. I do forecasts, daily horoscopes at sunsigns.com. I do monthly horoscopes on my Instagram. I also do personal readings. Um, you know, I've got a what the fuck's going on in my life reading I can offer you. I've got solar returns that are kind of a perfect year ahead. You come to me, we'll hook it up, we'll talk, and I can help explain anything that may have slipped through the cracks here today. Otherwise, guys, thanks for tuning in. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye. An Erio's original. Powered by ACAST. 